So, you ready for 2021 yet? <laughs> I'll bet you are. I know I am. And today on Bankadelic, we have Tom Long, the founder and principal of The Long Group. He is going to talk about strategic planning and how banks can find that place where the margins are high, the overhead is low, and success is set right in the crosshairs. From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate, and investigate actionable insights, unscripted banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carloso, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic part of the Contrarian New Media Network, which includes Dave and Darm Demystify, our podcast from London, and The Fintagonist, our podcast that comes in from Austin, Texas. And coming to you from Merrimack, New Hampshire, we have Tom Long. Tom is the founding manager of The Long Group. For more than 25 years, The Long Group has studied the financial behavior of consumers and businesses, offering insights on product ownership, financial journey, purchase intent, and channel utilization. Tom's also a sporting enthusiast, athletically active, and an all-around good guy. Tom, welcome to Bankadelic. Well, Lou, thanks for having me, and it's a pleasure to be with you today. I wanted you to talk about what crucial elements of planning have always been constant and how that might be changing in the COVID-19 landscape. Well, Lou, the pursuit of operating leverage, I think, is the key to every organization's success, including banks and credit unions. So operating leverage is really created by growing revenue faster than expenses. And in the financial world, financial institutions that achieve this become more efficient over time, while those that don't become inefficient and place the sustainability of their brand in question. Now, when we talk about that sustainability, there is this notion of planning effectiveness. You've done some research on that. Share that with us. I'd love to. The premise to that is, since every financial institution is attempting to accomplish the same goal, and that is to create operating leverage, then their approach to strategic planning really counts a lot. If you think about the purchase decisions that you've made, whether they're individually done for your own benefit or that of your business, those decisions are traditionally made on a price value continuum. So let me explain what I mean by that. Sure, go ahead. If in fact you think it's a commodity product, then you're in search for simply the lowest price. And if in fact you believe that there's a value add component that would make that product purchase more desirable in its use for you, you make that purchase on a very different continuum. So what we did in this analysis is to simply recognize that that continuum exists and apply it to this notion of banking. The first thing we did was look at an organization's overhead or the cost associated with doing business. And we looked at its return or the margin that it's generating. So we simultaneously plotted those two activities. And what we learned by that is that there are now four different sectors or quadrants in this matrix that we produced. Ah, the four quadrants. Walk us through. I'm going to begin by illustrating a collection of institutions that have 
a comparative advantage on pricing because they have low overhead. And therefore, they're using that pricing advantage to buy a business on price. And we see that being articulated in a narrow margin. Homogeneously, those institutions have in common both low overhead and narrow margin. So those are what we describe as price competitors. Now, opposite them are those that we call differentiated competitors or those that are buying business using a value proposition of some sort. To give you a sense as to how they find themselves collectively in that quadrant, they have two characteristics that are alike. They dedicate disproportionate overhead to sourcing business, and it's rewarded with a fatter margin. So those are our value competitors. And when we look at them more carefully, we see that they either A, dedicate a disproportionate overhead to a branch network, so they're trading on convenience, or we see that they have disproportionate dedication to salary. And so what they're doing there is trading off of talent. What we now have defined are two of the four quadrants. So there's another quadrant that has perhaps the most flexibility financially, and they have a thematic resonance of low overhead and high margin. And those institutions traditionally are niche competitors. And what I mean by that is they are actually positioned to serve the needs of a specific market segment or to chase a specific dedicated product set. So they're either product-focused or segment-focused institutions. And so as they begin to saturate the market that they currently serve, meaning that they're penetrating disproportionately that segment or that product line, they need to invest in new geography to expand their reach. And then there's the last segment. Those are the financial institutions today that are competing without a strategy, recognized as having high cost of doing business and narrow margins. So they have no long-term recipe for success, if you will. And what we found is that one out of every eight financial institutions in the United States with asset sizes of less than $10 million find themselves in this uncomfortable position today. How about that? Wow. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Now, Lou, there's one other thing that I think is kind of interesting because it almost was a hypothesis of mine, that as I've spent a lot of time talking with the C-suite, when asking them about how they position themselves for success in their markets, nearly unanimously, they tell me that they differentiate themselves. And then when I ask them, how do they do that? They tell me, well, it's because of my talent. It's my people that differentiate me in the market that I compete for business. And so the hypothesis was, as we were going through this exercise, we would find a plurality, at least, of financial institutions that were competing on a value proposition, when in fact, this analysis discovered that only three in every 10 financial institutions are competing in that domain. The most popular means of competition today is to do that on the basis of price. And so that leads to all kinds of different conversations given the economic environment that we find ourselves in as margins begin to narrow. I had you on a previous podcast talking about connecting with customers Amazon style. Now, as we all know, Amazon stock is going crazy. The orders are going through the roof. 
you believe banks and credit unions can borrow from the Amazon playbook. It would seem that's more true today than ever. What's been constant with that and what maybe has changed given COVID? That's a really interesting question. The changes that we've seen with COVID are the absence of foot traffic in the branch system. The pandemic necessarily shut down lobby traffic at most financial institutions for a three to four month period. And if, in fact, you try to think a little bit about what we know about behavioral change, whether it's weight loss or quitting cigarette smoking, what they tell us is that a new behavior is created only when it's been in place for 20 consecutive days. And so if you start to think about a three to four month period, these new behaviors that have been born because of the pandemic are probably here for a lifetime. Branch-based transaction volumes are down by about 30 to 40% if, in fact, you're the average financial institution. And I don't expect that number to ever reach the point that it was post-COVID. That means institutions today have the unique opportunity to address cost. One, how many branches do I need to serve a given market? And two, how many people do I need in each of those branches, given the absence of transaction volume? And I think that allows institutions to begin to cost shift and to reinvent themselves by taking branch expenses that were once legacy expenses out of the organization in perpetuity and reinvest them in a digital platform to compete more effectively in this new age. Now, when banks and credit unions are getting it right, what important common factors, if we were to share them now, could help the bank and credit union leaders who are listening to this podcast? That's a great question. And I believe that the biggest threat to the long-term success of the majority of financial institutions is internal. And what I mean by that is that it's controllable because it's a shortcoming of their strategic planning process. So let's talk about how to remedy this and let's talk about what institutions need to do to get their strategic planning process right. And the way to do that, I think, is easily explained by saying that we believe that the creation of every strategy is really comprised of both common and unique elements. Now, common elements to us include such things as the macroeconomic environment, regulators, disruptors, etc. And the point of all of these conversations is really to reduce uncertainty. But because they are common, they are not generally a source of differentiation. Well, unique elements are things like this. They explore the market and in so doing, reveal incremental opportunities for growth. And in combining those opportunities with an institution's profit motive, their self-interest is then identified. And then lastly, we think that studying the competitive set allows us to understand the level of resistance we're expecting to have happen over the course of this planning horizon. In other words, how easy or difficult is it going to be for us to take advantage of the opportunities that are going to drive our economic engine, our profits? And so we think that today's strategic planning process really lacks balance. It places much too much emphasis on common elements. And in our eyes, not enough emphasis on unique elements, which are the source of competitive advantage. So really, 
what financial institutions simply need to do is to close that knowledge gap about their market, about what opportunities exist, and about where they make their money. Perfectly, perfectly consistent with one of the best business books I've ever read, Blue Ocean Strategy, where they talk about the idea that red oceans are many, many, many different competitors struggling to achieve the same kind of market share and doing it in the exact same way. Whereas the blue ocean is this one forward-thinking institution that has addressed that market share question by being unique, by doing something that is true to who and what they are and attracting customers that way. Yeah, I agree with that philosophy entirely. And so if we go back to that matrix where I had started to articulate that there are really four strategy positions that financial institutions find them in, and we remove ourselves from one of those outcomes, meaning that they don't have a strategy, that really means that a financial institution should be comfortable selecting any one of the three strategies. It just determines what's feasible, realistic, and appropriate for their mission and their culture. And so when you start to think about that, you know, not every institution needs to pursue this strategy of differentiation because there's a niche opportunity that may be available to them. And not every institution has to be bashful about saying that I want to compete on the nature of price. If, in fact, you have a comparative advantage in sourcing business more competitively, you should exploit that advantage. And so every institution, I think, really needs to become more thoughtful about the strategy they're selected. And then every institution needs to then become more thoughtful about how it is that they're going to use that strategy to cultivate a sustained competitive advantage. And then, of course, lastly, what they need to do is to focus their energies on creating the accountability necessary so that they can execute with excellence. Because remember, today, while one in eight don't have a strategy, 50% have executional shortcomings. So there are two remedies for ongoing success, both of which would allow institutions to see the blue water that you've talked about. Executing with excellence. Someone who has exemplified that today on the podcast. Tom, I continue to enjoy the relationship we have. It's meant a lot to me. Thanks for being on Bankadelic today. Well, geez, Lou, I appreciate the opportunity and I welcome our opportunity to continue our conversations at some future date. We definitely will. Tom Long is the founding manager of the Long Group. He's based in Merrimack, New Hampshire. You can look for Tom on LinkedIn. Bankadelic, sponsored by the William Mills Agency. For close to 40 years, the William Mills Agency has served hundreds of companies that provide a wide range of products and services in the banking, payments, mortgage, credit union, and related markets. The William Mills Agency is the largest provider of PR and marketing services for companies that market to the financial industry. For more information, visit williammills.com. Quantic is the adaptive digital bank that offers entrepreneurs, immigrants, millennials, low-income families, seniors, and others innovative banking products and services, which embrace the diversity of circumstances that exist in the lives of customers while elevating their financial strength. For more information, visit QuanticBank.com. That's Q-U-O-N-T-I-C-Bank.com. 
Well, it was a fascinating discussion about strategy execution today on the... All right. Who are you? Somebody said something about strategy execution. Well, on the executioner, where's the convict here? It's you, isn't it? Oh, what do you mean? No, no, it's you. What? You're the convict. I'm going to be the executioner. You understand? That's my role. That's your role. No, no, no. <laughs> Just a, a podcast, though. I don't know. Don't oh, do your over here. Three, Three bullet, bullet points. points. Number one. What we found is that one out of every eight financial institutions in the United States with asset sizes of less than $10 million find themselves in this uncomfortable position today, competing without a strategy. Number two. Branch-based transaction volumes are down by about 30 to 40% if, in fact, you're the average financial institution. And I don't expect that number to ever reach the point that it was post-COVID. Behaviors that have been born because of the pandemic are probably here for a lifetime. Number three. Talking with the C-suite, when asking them about how they position themselves for success in their markets, nearly unanimously, they tell me that they differentiate themselves. And then when I ask them, how do they do that? They tell me, well, it's because of my talent. It's my people. And now, lose views. Well, I said it at the top of the podcast. 2020, huh? Can't wait until this one is in the history books for good. Then you can take that history book and burn it. (laughs) Has financial services ever faced anything even remotely like this. The only reference point I can think of, and it's not even that great of a reference point, is the Great Recession. Now, look what's showing up. Vaccines will soon be available to the general public that promise to, once and for all, turn the tide on the coronavirus. And you know what I'm looking forward to? It's simple. People. Contact with people. Contact with people that I haven't been in touch with directly in the flesh since March. Just the casual encounters I might have at the marketplace or a bar or any of the places I frequent, going to shop at music stores and hanging out with my guitar buddies. Tom Long had a lot to say about how people are the differentiator for financial services institutions. Think about it. That same human contact that you and I and everyone else is craving right now is what customers want And we are all customers at the end of the day. Take a look around and see how your people know how to deal with people. Because once the doors to the branches are open again, once we're all back in public again, once we can put the masks away, your people are going to be the ones who roll out the red carpet and either welcome customers back or stand back and ask themselves, well, what do we do now? As you take stock of what happens in 2021, look at your people. If you're going to make changes, if you're going to up your game, remember what Tom Long said. The winners in the C-suite will tell you people are the best and biggest differentiator of all. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. 
Our producer in Chicago is Jenny Elman. Thanks again to the William Mills Agency for their generous sponsorship. Thanks also to Quantic. I'm Lou Carlozo. You can catch me on LinkedIn. And if you've got a milkshake, I'm drinking. Until next time, so long. Bankadelic is a production of Contrarian New Media, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas.